So the reading is taken from 1 John 4, starting at verse 7, going on to chapter 5, verse 5. So starting 1 John 4, verse 7. God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love we love because he first love us those who say i love god and hate their brothers or sisters are liars for those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love god whom they have not seen the commandment we have from him is this those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God, that we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God conquers the world and this is the victory that conquers the world our faith who is that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God thank you for that Felicity we really made you work for it this morning. <laughs> uh, good morning. I'm going to start out with something somewhat controversial, and that is 
Happy Christmas. <laughs> I know it's not December 1st yet, but it is the first Sunday of Advent, so we are looking forward to welcoming Jesus once again, and that is an exciting thing. Um, before I get started, I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you so much that you are here. Thank you that you love to speak to us, that you love to commune with us. God, I pray that you would grow our love for your word. That you would reveal everything that you want to reveal in this text. And that you would transform our lives in its application. Come and have your way, Lord. Amen. Uh, well, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is Kim. I, like James said, um, I'm married to Andrew, um, who you might have met before, and we have two beautiful daughters, Callie, who is four, and Waverly, who is one, um, and they are the joy of our lives, and I love being able to stay home with them um, to fill my days. And we also get to lead a kingdom family community here, which is just a group full of incredible people who love Jesus and do it really well and love each other really well, and we're, we're super blessed by them. Um, it is such an honor to be able to share with you this morning. Um, I have so enjoyed studying this passage. Um, John speaks so clearly and definitively in everything that he writes in the New Testament, um, but he really speaks like someone who really knows the character of Jesus, and I think that is such a gift. It's such a beautiful thing. You think about he, you know, walked literally with Jesus, and so it's, it's incredible to see the way that he um, paints um, the Word of God. So, we had this amazing passage um, all about the love of God, which, does it feel like we're repeating ourselves yet? Because <laughs> we've been over this a time or two recently, haven't we? Um, and we're going to go over it again, um, and we're going to go on to some other things too. But if, if it feels like um, it's repetitive, it's because it is. Um, because John is really repetitive. If there's one thing that he really wants to get through in this letter, it is the love of God and how that translates into loving each other. He actually uses the word for the love of God, agape, which I'm sure most of you have heard before. Um, he uses this word 46 times in the five chapters of 1 John, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, so it's obviously something that he wants to make really abundantly clear. So often, I feel like even though it is such a huge theme in the Bible, it's something that we can very easily overcomplicate. <laughs> um, you know, it's really easy to hear about God's word and to know it, uh, sorry, God's love, and to know it in our minds, but not really let it grip a hold of our hearts. Or sometimes it's really easy to feel love for God and for other people and not really know how to take practical steps in life to make that a part of who you are. I'm sure you've all heard this idea of the connection between your head and your heart being those 18 inches, that longest journey. <laughs> and I wonder if you ever have a, a problem 
taking that journey and, and getting the love of God from your heart to your head or from your head to your heart. I personally find it really easy to feel love for, for God and for the people around me. I find it so easy. It's just all these like mushy-gushy feelings. And then I actually have to live it out, and that's where it takes a lot more effort. So John makes it really clear that God and love and people are inextricably linked. You cannot separate them. In chapter 4, verse 8, as Felicity read, whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's pretty definitive. <laughs> and in verses 20 and 21, he says, those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. So on that note, I want to start by telling you a couple of stories. Just personal stories from my life. They're not the world's most outrageous things, but they are really powerful examples of God's love. They are two stories about... Um, two different couples that um, have been in our lives in the past who were so intimately acquainted with the love of God that it spilled out of their lives into other people's lives. So, um, about two years into our marriage, Andrew and I were told that we would never have children. And this started us on a journey to pursue adoption. Uh, we were living in America, where I'm from, and in case you couldn't tell that already. <laughs> um, and in America, the process is pretty different from what it is here. Um, we had to, b before we could be matched with a pregnant woman who wanted to place her child in our family for adoption, we had to go through, it's called a home study. And um, I know that there are similar things here in terms of the adoption and foster um, placements here in England as well. Um, a social worker would come and would basically come into our home and look wherever they want to look, check every nook and cranny, make sure that the fire blankets and the fire extinguishers are where they are, where they're meant to be, that the stair gate's up, that the baby's room is ready, that, you know, there's no weird things about us that might <laughs> stop this baby from being in a safe and loving home. So we had been working to make sure that our house was ready for this home study for weeks. We were very exhausted, and it felt like every time we got to the end of our to-do list, there was, oh, just one more thing that we needed to do. And it was about the day before the, it was, it was the day before the um, social worker was going to come. It was starting to get to the late afternoon, and we looked at each other, and we thought, okay, we're almost there. We've almost done it. You know, every little Every little thing in our home is put right. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be fine, yeah. And then we stepped outside the door and realized that in the process of taking so much care of the inside of our house, we'd completely forgotten about our garden. We'd neglected all the plants for the last nine months that we'd been living in the home. And there were weeds everywhere. <laughs> It was ugly. It was really ugly. And everything looked so dead. And we just, our hearts just fell. And we thought, oh, after all the work that we've done, 
this social worker's first impression of us is going to be this dead and dreary garden. And we just couldn't face it. We felt so defeated because, you know, we had about six hours before uh, it would be far too late to do anything outside. And uh, then the social worker would be there in the morning. So we had some dear friends of ours who had been loving us and supporting us in prayer the whole journey up to adoption thus far. And we also knew that they were avid gardeners. So we thought maybe we could call them. So we called them and we said, if you're around, do you think there's any way that you might be able to just come and just, just pull a couple of weeds right near the door so that it's not quite so bad when she walks up to the front door? That would be amazing. And they said, absolutely, no problem. We'll come right away. About an hour later, they showed up at our house with a pickup truck. And the bed of the pickup truck was full of plants, beautiful plants. But they weren't just any plants. They were their plants. They had gone out straight away after our phone call, gone out into their garden, and started digging up the plants that they had so lovingly cared for over all the years of tending to their own garden. They dug them up, they put them in their truck, and they came over to our house and they planted them in our garden. Not because it was beneficial for them, not because there would be anyone, until today I guess, that really knew about it, <laughs> but just because they loved us. It was so powerful. They really gave their very best to us in that moment. Amazingly, maybe because of those plants, we did pass that home study. <laughs> and a few months later, we found ourselves matched with a young woman who was 19 years old and was looking to place a baby up for adoption. One day, after a couple months of knowing her, we were given no notice when we got a phone call she called us and she said, um, yeah, I've left my home and I'm going to be sleeping rough on the, on the street tonight in the city, just so you know. And this sweet woman, Elizabeth, we, we couldn't let her do that. We wanted to care for her. We wanted to care for this baby. We said, you've got to come and stay at our house. She said she was getting off the bus to, um, to, get, to get off in the city um, in about 10 minutes. And the city's about 45 minutes from where we were living. So now, I promise it wasn't too much of a theme in our lives, but would you believe it? Our home was not ready <laughs> to have a guest that day. Um, we didn't have the guest bedroom ready. You know, the dishes weren't quite done. There were, there were things to do. And this was a really, really important moment. This woman, young woman, coming into our home to stay with us with the baby that we were to be adopting. So we texted a couple of friends, not to ask for their help, but just for, to ask them to pray. We just said, please pray. This is a really, really important thing. And as soon as our friends heard about it, not really knowing the state of our home, they texted back and they said, we'll be at your house in 10 minutes. You go. Go find her, you know, go bring her back. It'll probably take an hour and a half or two hours or so to go there and come back. And meanwhile, we're going we're gonna to make sure that everything's perfect in your home. We're going to, you know, just leave it to us. Everything will be great when, when you get back. It'll all be just right. And we said, thank you so much. That's amazing. And 
they showed up and they did that. And a couple hours later, we got home to a spotless house and a beautiful guest bedroom ready to welcome Elizabeth. She was so blessed and she felt completely loved and cared for. And you bet we did too. It was only the next day that we realized that it had been our friend's 55th birthday. And as soon as they got our text, they called the restaurant they were meant to be going to, canceled their reservation, put their sweatpants on, and came over to our house. These two couples showed up in really practical ways for us as a total outpouring of love. They showed us that their love for God went beyond themselves. And, you know, John says it has to if it's real love. Jim spoke about this a couple weeks ago in chapter 3, verse 18, where it says, Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. It was really transformative what those two friends did for us in our time of need. And to them, they were just small things. But to us, it was a huge physical representation of the love of God in the midst of our uncertain circumstances. So, John goes on in this passage um, to the beginning of chapter 5 to extrapolate on love a little bit further. Verse 3 says, For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. Okay, so if the love of God is that we obey his commandments, it's probably pretty important that we know what those commandments are, right? So, starting back in the Old Testament, God gave how many commandments? Ten to Moses. Can anybody name one? Love the Lord your God. No other gods before him. That's right. Anybody else? Love your neighbor. That one's for later. Anything else? Do not steal. That's right. Yeah. Anything else? Don't murder. That's right. Yep. Do not covet. Yes. Honor your father and mother. Exactly. The other ones that we've got here are, remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. Do not commit adultery. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. And do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And there were hundreds of other commandments that God gave to the Israelites in the Old Testament of how to live and how not to live. And then moving forward, Jesus came. Yay! <laughs> But he didn't just get rid of all of those, right? He solidified the importance of the commandments when he said that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He then goes on after he says that to exert us, to say to not even relax one of the least of these commandments of God. Yeesh. Then in Matthew 22 Someone asks him, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So how can we possibly do this? Because I don't know about you, but it, it, it feels like a lot when you lay it all out like that. How can we keep God's commandments? Well, thankfully, John does not leave us in suspense. The very next line in that same verse Verse 3, for the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. And, he's like, don't freak out. (laughs) And his commandments are not burdensome. How beautiful is that? How beautiful that he's showing us that actually to love God is to obey him. And he's already made a way. He's already made it easy for us to obey him. Because when we behold and encounter the character of God and his nature, his love makes obeying him our delight. To obey his commandments is a delight. It's a beautiful thing. It's our privilege. When we really know his nature, his kindness, his mercy, his compassion, his power, his gentleness. When we really know him, it makes it so easy to obey him. If you've ever been given rules as a child, you'd know this, right? If you're told, don't go over there, don't touch that, don't do this, don't say that, we all know that children understand those things when they understand who it is that's speaking to them and what their heart is towards them. Why are these things important? At least that's my experience with my kids. (laughs) If I just tell them, stop doing that, but they don't really understand, first of all, why, but also my love for them, that obedience is born out of that relationship. So John continues in chapter five, verse four, His commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith! Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? How powerful that it's our faith that is the thing that is overcoming, that enables us to overcome. The word um, world here, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Um, It refers to the aggregate of things earthly. So essentially everything on earth. But one, one definition describes it as the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, which although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire in us and seduce us from God and our obstacles to the cause of Christ. That's what we're given the power to overcome. Love of money. 
love of status, power, greed, even simple material comforts. Things that seduce us from the cause of Christ. That's what we're given the power to overcome because of faith. You overcome everything that seeks to seduce you, your heart and your mind, away from the cause of Christ through faith. So no matter how good or bad you feel you are at loving God or loving other people, it doesn't matter. You are enabled through the Holy Spirit of Jesus living inside of you, giving you the gift of faith. He gives it to us. How beautiful is that? He doesn't just expect us to conjure it up on our own. He gives us the gift of faith that then allows us to overcome. You are victorious through faith that overcomes. We believe that heaven is here, do we? We do. So if we believe that heaven is here and we believe that we are living in that reality, then we can live in this reality of overcoming faith. It's incredible. One other thing that I feel like the Lord is wanting to remind us of this morning is the other place, well, probably not the other place, one other place that I was reminded of, um, where the Bible talks about us overcoming. And that's Revelation 12. And they overcame him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. Faith is built by testimony. How many of you have experienced that in your own life? Where you've heard, maybe that's why you're sitting here today. Because yesterday or 30 years ago, somebody told you who God was, who God is. And that built faith in you that rose up and caused you to change, to come, to encounter Jesus. We see this in Jesus' life time after time as he performs miracle after miracle. And the word about him spreads. When he healed the leper, he ordered the leper, don't tell anyone. But the Bible says that word spread we don't know if it was the leper or if it was someone else, but whoever it was, people started talking about it. The word about him spread. The testimony of what Jesus was doing spread. And many crowds gathered to be healed. These people came because they heard the testimony of who Jesus is. They came with faith. That testimony built faith in them so that they could come with expectation and meet Jesus with expectation that he was going to heal them. That's incredible. I want to live a life that is a life of testimony, of overcoming, of faith, and of love for other people. So is your life that testimony? I want mine to be. Is your life a testimony of love? Are there people that are going to tell the stories of how you stepped into their need and changed 
the way that they encounter the love of God. We can live lives that are an abundant example of the love of God because he has made us to overcome through the gift of faith. And that's the invitation that he's giving you this morning.